Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord and let's pray together this morning. Father, we come before you this morning and we come, Lord, in need of you. We come in light of many uh, emotions and feelings and and thoughts. Uh, Perhaps those are filled with joy. Perhaps they are filled. so I pray and we pray this morning that we would do that. We would rest in you. Even now our hearts, though they may be heavy or filled, we would find rest in Christ this morning. And we come recognizing that you are God. You are the creator of everything. You're the creator of us. You made us. For yourself and you made us with such intricacy such beauty and wisdom you made all things with such intricacy and beauty and wisdom and we recognize how great you are and we learn from these things and seeing you and your character in these ways and we see even even in the midst of our rebellion what we have done and we know that there is a war going on in our hearts perhaps even right now a war to give in to sin and self and the devil and we know that our sin and ourselves have separated we were separated from you because of our sin against you yet christmas You love us still. And so we thank you. May may you be with us this morning. Help us to behold you and help us to wonder and to wonder at you and your workings and your dealings with us. We pray, Father, that you restore us, restore the joy of our salvation. Help us where we need help which if we're honest, that is in every single area of our lives. Whether we are glad right now or we're not, we need you and we hunger for you. Help fill our hungry souls, Lord, with the joy that is found alone in you through your son, Jesus Christ. So help us, Father, give us grace this morning Give us grace and help me, Lord, as well, as we turn to your word and we rejoice in the wonders that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke this morning, this Sunday before Christmas, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Verses 39 through 45. Now, it may not be a surprise to you, but Megan and I, we love children. (laughs) 
So if you wonder about that, well, we have now five children. And I know initially when we were, you know, just married and even before we were married, we were talking about, you know, children and what our thoughts were there. And initially we thought, you know, well, we want to have, you know, if the Lord would allow and everything else, you know, we would love to have six children. And so we don't have six children. We stopped at five, Lord willing. And we're probably going to stay right there, but they are such a, a blessing, um, you know, that we've, the Lord has answered us and our desires in that. And we know how precious children are. Now, the thing about children is if you, if you let them, they have a lot to teach us. A lot of lessons to learn from them. And they can teach us all sorts of things, but one thing they can certainly teach us is wonder, is, an, is a sense of an awe, kind of a sense of a amazement at things. You know, they, they wonder at, at things that, we're, you know, with fresh eyes, right? Things that we long ago have just kind of said, yeah, that's just, that's just normal, you know. <laughs> I've seen that a million times, you know. It's, it's fine, I'm good, you know. Uh, you don't, maybe we don't live around the Grand Canyon, but those who live around the Grand Canyon, perhaps seen it thousands of times, you know, uh, yeah, it's a Grand Canyon, you know. And so we have this way of kind of losing that fresh, you know, way of looking at the world, the awe, the amazement that children have. And so they wonder of all, at all sorts of things. And I think of even Christmas, you know, and everything going on as we prepare for this. And that moment you you know, you plug in, you know, the Christmas tree and the lights kind of go. And, you know, of course, their faces light up, you know, with joy. And, and some of them are even jumping around. You know, I know our kids are, you know, and perhaps dancing a little bit. I think of one in particular who would be doing that. Um, and so they're, they're doing all that. And they just look <clears throat> and they wonder at these things. And, they, and so wonders just seems to come so easily to children with these fresh eyes to look at things. You know, I even remember as a child myself, you know, my parents, they had a den and I would just go in the den and sit in one of the chairs there and just, you know, look at the Christmas tree and have some Christmas music playing and just sit in for, you know, an hour or so and just sit there, you know. And uh, that was just great, you know, just wonderment at all these things. So I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from children. I also think this is one of the reasons children and adults alike like stories so much as well. You know, uh, I think if we're honest, you know, we do wonder at some of these things. You know, certain stories, they produce a wonder in us. And you can't, you can't help to read some stories like, you know, Frodo and Sam and Gandalf and, and the Lord of the Rings without imagining kind of this vast wonder-filled world with wonderful and terrible creatures. So stories like that, though, they enliven our imaginations. And if we're honest, you know, we wonder at them, don't we? They, they enliven us, even if we're adults. I think this is part of the reason why, you know, I like stories. I like reading books and like movies and I like biographies as well is because there's that sense of, like, you know, imagining and wonder. Yet as we, you know, look at Scripture, Scripture, it has a unique wonder about it, doesn't it? 
It leads us in wonder and awe at its wonderfully true stories. You know, it's not, it's not like a Lord of the Rings, you know, that, that's fiction, you know. And we can wonder at a lot there, you know. But the stories here in Scripture, they are true and they are incredible. And so we come to the Word of God and we can wonder at God. We can wonder at His dealings with us and, and wonder at the God who made us. Even now, perhaps you need to remember that He made you. And that's why you're here in your seat or tuning in online. He made you. And wonder at that. And wonder that we live in this wonder-filled very real world. And so it is then that we come to our passage this morning. A story that should cause us wonder and awe and amazement because it's true and glorious and it ought to lead us in the worship of God who did not leave us as we are. But what did he do? He came for us. And so let's read here then from Luke, beginning with verse 39. May God indeed restore wonder in our hearts this morning. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the, the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears... The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now as we come to this passage here as a Christmas text, these verses may seem strange to you. <laughs> you know, this isn't a common passage that we would necessarily think as a Christmas passage. In fact, as I just cur out of curiosity just to see, you know, other preachers and people out there and how they've addressed this. And oftentimes, you know, this isn't, this is not a Christmas text, you know. In fact, I don't think I saw anyone use it as a Christmas text. But here we are. And so the reason that we're here in this passage is the Christmas story isn't just those verses that tell of the birth of Christ, but it's, it's much more, right? It wasn't just that moment. There was a lot more to it. There was a whole picture of things that were coming and leading up to the birth of Christ. And we could even go back, you know, in our Bibles. You know, we don't even have to stay in the New Testament. We could go all the way back into Genesis as well and there find Christmas texts for us to unfold the story of Christmas it is centered upon the birth of Christ 
the incarnation, but it is a story that spans the pages of Scripture. It does not begin in the New Testament. It's a story that is from Genesis to Revelation, this gospel. And so it is then we sing, even as we did a moment ago, O come, O come, Emmanuel, in view of this, right? That, that longing that was there in the Old Testament between Old Testament and New Testament, that longing, that angst for the Messiah to come. O come, O come, Emmanuel. You can hear the cry in the song, longing for the Savior to come that one that would ransom and rescue and redeem us. So I want us to see the Christmas story in all its wonder, or at least a piece of that wonder of this Christmas story this morning. So in the verses that Ryan read for us this morning, so the verses preceding our passage here, Mary, you know, she was told the wondrous and wonderful news. The wonderful news that in Luke 1, 30, <coughs> it said, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Right there even, we could go back into the Old Testament and see so many ways that this is recalling so much that God has done in the past. And saying, see here who has come before you. And as it continues to show that really nothing is impossible with God, Mary is told that her relative Elizabeth will have a child in her old age as well. And so for a reason, though, that we're not told, we just kind of had to fill in the gap or at least wonder at it. <coughs> Mary, you know, she goes in haste to visit Elizabeth. So she, she may have went out, uh, out of a kind of an overflow of emotions, you know, perhaps wanting to go and share this good news. Perhaps her and Elizabeth were really close, and so she, she wanted to go and tell her this good news. Or maybe it was that her parents, you know, urged her on, you need to go to Elizabeth, you know, we want you to go there. You know, maybe, maybe she told them, they were just like, whoa, okay, go to Elizabeth, get out of here. You know, whatever they did. Or perhaps it was that God himself told Mary to go to Elizabeth. We don't see that in Scripture. It's not there, reading between the lines perhaps, and, and that seems to me perhaps a very reasonable option. And, and so there is wonder here, though. And there's wonder at what, all this that's going on, this news given to Mary, the wonder of the joy going on at this time as well. And so regardless of your age, we are being called to wonder at these things anew. And some of you, you may have had a good many Christmases behind you. You know, perhaps you've had 30 Christmases, you know, 40, 50, you know, 60, 70, 80, 
Christmases that may be behind you, but each Christmas, it is doing something. It is calling us anew, every single one of us, to wonder, to put on fresh eyes that we've heard this story a million times perhaps, or at least some of us have, and maybe some have not. But to put on fresh eyes, to wonder at and to marvel and to be in awe of Christmas, to be in awe of what God has done. And so let us wonder at these things. Let's see the wonder of this moment here. So imagine then <coughs> you're there. You've just been told this extraordinary news. So imagine then you're Mary and I mean, wow, the feelings you're having right now. Perhaps even the confusion, the logistical questions that are going to arise, the things that are maybe you're thinking and wondering about, the thoughts, the questions. And the thing is, is nothing like this has ever happened before. We all have it in our minds. Yeah, that's, this is all like common to us. You've been in the church, you know that. If you haven't, maybe this is, not, this is new to you too. None of these things had ever happened before. And so there are no church buildings. There are no hymnals. There are no pews. There's no internet. There's no electricity. There's no phones. There's no cars. And yes, there's no Chick-fil-A. I know you may have wondered that, a biblical question you had. Was there Chick-fil-A back in that day? Well, no, there wasn't. And so with this amazing news, Mary would travel then and see her relative Elizabeth. All these things whirling about in her. And she likely, you know, went with others and maybe had a, a caravan of people that went along with her and so she probably wasn't alone. But whether alone or not, she would have had to travel some 80 to 100 miles to the hill country of Judea. That's a far distance to go on foot. So this would have taken her probably around three to four days to travel that. So as fast as you can, she goes 80 to 100 miles. And so she did that with haste is what we're told. And so haste likely, you know, filled with longing to tell Elizabeth this news. But she didn't have to. There was no reason Elizabeth would have known Mary was pregnant. And so before Mary walked into their house, Elizabeth would have no reason to think anything different, that Mary would be pregnant or anything like this. Mary, she was a virgin. She was betrothed to Joseph. And they would not have consummated their marriage. And so there was no reason to expect that she would have been pregnant. Yet, at their greeting, we see... The baby inside of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, he leaps for joy in the womb. And we recall Luke 1.15, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the mother's womb. And so by God's revelation, the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth knows and likewise rejoices 
in all that God has done. And we aren't to, we aren't to wonder at all of that, though. We are to wonder and be in wonder of this child. So at the center of their joy and their rejoicing is this child. This child upon which history would hang. B.C. would become A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. And so although our culture may scoff at this child, there is nothing in our world upon which you can look without witnessing, or you cannot look without witnessing the influence of this child. Without him, all that we see today would be utterly different, beyond recognition. And it really is unimaginable that apart from the birth of Christ, what this world would look like right now. There's just no way for us to know what that would look like. Or as C.S. Lewis said in the Chronicles of Narnia, it would be always winter but never Christmas. As they wondered at this child, we are to wonder also. So with those gifts in your hand on Christmas Day, you're to be thinking of that greater gift. Why do I give these gifts on Christmas? Well, there's a reason for that. It's not just so <coughs> you can get a new movie or clothes. It's because of the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. And so we're to wonder and worship this Christmas. And we also need to see the wonder of this life. The wonder of this life. So wonder at his, this child, Jesus' life within the womb. The story of Christmas, it all begins with this baby conceived in the womb of Mary. It would be upon uh, about this baby that we would say, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So this sacred life, yet still in the womb. He had been conceived of the Holy Spirit, given human life that he may give eternal life. And make no mistake, according to God's inspired word, he was a person there in the womb. And John also. We may wonder at it, like how did all that work? But John, he leapt for joy at this child in the womb of Mary. You want to know your response, how you should respond this Christmas to this news? Well, there you have it. Joy. Thank you, Lord. And so this child is worthy of our joy. And this is a child such that even now Elizabeth would say, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me in verse 43. And I have to say here that the sanctity of human life 
It is not a question. It is a statement, a proposition. Life from conception is precious. They are persons, lives that matter. Location does not matter. It is life, a precious life in the sight of God. And so here, while still in the womb, Jesus is the Savior of the world. And John is leaping. Persons. And so we wonder, wonder at this life. And wonder also and see how we're to wonder at life and how and even extending it on to the wonder at life at every single level. <coughs> so God, he would go to that extent for us, for you and me. And so let us rekindle the wonder. Rekindle the wonder. Christmas is a wonder, and it is a wonder because of God, because of who he is, because of what he's done, the Christ born for you and for us. And we must not lose that wonder. You're going to have to fight for it. Your eyes will, will try to get old and not let it be fresh to you but wonder at these things anew. We, in light of these many things to wonder at, we should be, above all, the Christians, should be on the cutting, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> losing my voice up here. So. We should be on the cutting edge of wonder. We should have the corner on wonder. Because we, above all others, have much to marvel at, much to reflect upon, and much to glory at. Unfortunately, I think that sometimes, you know, we can, we can look out at the world and its ways and we can think that, you know, they have all of the treasures. They have all the good stuff, you know. And we're just kind of, we're kind of over here, you know. We're over here and kind of standing on top of the landfill of all the stuff that's left over, you know, as Christians. Just a bunch of boring kind of wooden, you know, people, you know. And I think that's honestly how sometimes we think of the Christian life, you know. We think of it, you know, as something insignificant or that we're missing out. I think it's sometimes how we live out the Christian life. But if you look back throughout history, look back in history and Christians have been the ones on the cutting edge of education, of art, of music, of architecture, of science, of medicine, and more. We're not a boring bunch of people. We're creative because God is creative. We are to be the ones on the cutting edge of wonder. Whether we're making all these 
movies that make us go, whoa, that's amazing. We should be in that too. Look at all these things that are amazing as well. The cutting edge of wonder. We have reason above anybody else to wonder. And so we should certainly be writing and living and building and doing all we do for the glory of God and all of the God who made us and made all of these wondrous things we see around us in our world, in space, and throughout the universe. Wonders to behold. And so with so much to wonder at, recognizing that we are in God's world, how can we not wonder? How can we not glory in and be amazed at Christ, at his life, and at his wonders? And so let me ask you, how will you spur on that kind of wonder this Christmas? You may have had many Christmases, but let's, let's be in awe. Let's wonder this Christmas of what God has done anew. And if you have children, how will you spur on children? Or even if you don't have children, how, how will you spur them on to wonder at Christmas? And how are you spurring on wonder in your own heart at the things of God as well? These are not boring things. These are glorious things. And so slow down. Turn off your phones. Take time to reflect on all that God has done. Read the scriptures. Reflect on God's word. Think upon his character. What kind of character would he have to have to do the sending of the Son of God into the world? To look at God's creation with fresh eyes. Worship and wonder at God with your families. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, brother. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate that. Just when I came up here, I get this thing in my throat. It's still there. I don't know what's going on, but well. Thanks. And so let us do that. This Christmas, worship and wonder at God. You know, wake up on Christmas Day and just spend time with God. Like open, his, open the Bible, His Word, and just read it aloud even, just and think about it. Lord, thank you. And sit down with your families and just, just read it together. You know, I know you may not you know, may not be all singers here, or may not be, you know, uh, you know, great in being able to, you know, you can, you can make a joyful noise to the Lord, uh, but, you know, whatever, wherever you are with music, and musically, you know, open a hymn book or, you know, sing a, a song of praise to the Lord this Christmas. And so as we consider our passage here, Consider all in our passage here. Let me re-ask a question 
that I've alluded to already. Why do you think Mary went in haste to see Elizabeth? I know I've kind of given a bit of an answer, at least my thought on answer there. But let me ask it a bit differently. So did, <clears throat> did she go so she could wonder at how great she was? No, no, right? I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, she, she's thinking this incredible news that the incomparable God just told me I have to share about this incredible child that is now within me. The Son of the Most High. So no, her demeanor was not like, more of me. You know, that's not what she was thinking. It was in Luke 138, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That was her demeanor. And so the central focus here, it is not on Mary. It is on Jesus. So it's, it's the blessing of this child is being, being set forth here. So, so Mary's haste, you know, Elizabeth's rejoicing and her wondering and John's even leaping for joy. They are not centered upon Mary, they are centered upon Christ. That's why they're just overflowing with all these things, you know, this wonderment and glory, like, wow, you know, look what God has done. You know, and I would guess that if you were to somehow, you know, you were able to ask Mary and talk to her and what she was thinking here, she would do everything but point to herself. Why are you looking at me? You know, look at, look at Christ. This is about him. Don't look at me. We already saw that in Luke 138. Don't look at me. Look at him. Yet even as we say that, we most certainly can say, without blushing, Mary was blessed. <laughs> she was blessed. Being able to, you know, bear the Son of God. So essentially, you know, Elizabeth, she is echoing the words of angel Gabriel here. From 130, chapter 130. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And so Mary, she is favored. She's blessed in that she has uniquely been chosen by God to bear the Son of God. She is blessed because of the child within her. She's blessed because the very Savior she needs and the world needs is within her. That's why she's blessed. She needs Him too. So Mary's blessing is this sacred privilege of bearing Christ the Lord. And we also see the blessing of this child and the greatness of this child. So the fruit of the womb is the promised offspring of old, the one long awaited, 
and now here. And John, fulfilling his role, he is already bearing witness within the womb that there is the one that is greater than I. <laughs> already fulfilling his calling as the forerunner to the Messiah. Bearing witness to the Christ. So even while in the womb, he's saying this is the Savior you and I need. And so also the last blessing here points to faith to faith in the faithful God. So Mary is given to us here as an example of the kind of faith that we are to have. The kind of unhesitating receiving of God's word, trusting in God's word, and resolving to do God's word. What an example for us. She believe that God will do as he promises and he will fulfill his good word. Just think about that for your own life. Whether you're going through trials or whatever, God will do as he says. Your calling is to be delighted in him and delighting in him and to do as he says. She's blessed because she believed. And so also will all who believe be blessed as well. So Mary is not the one to whom we are to go, to whom we are to hope, to whom we are to pray. But we are to see her faith and see to whom we are to go, to whom we are to hope, and through whom we are to pray. We are to see our need for Christ, even as Mary herself admits her need for Christ. In the verses ahead in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So what, in light of all these things, what should be our response to all of this? Our fitting response this Christmas is first to be glad. To be glad. Like John, leaping for joy, so this news is worthy of great joy and great rejoicing also. Gratefully and gladly wonder at the Lord's doing. Learn from children and their infectious joy, the way that they wonder at Christmas, and you wonder freely as well. Don't be afraid to show everyone, I love Jesus. And I, I just am amazed about what he did for me, that he would even come. Be like a child. You have permission to wonder at the things that God has done for you. So rekindle the wonder, imagine, glory, reflect, and think upon God and all he has done, and praise him. So be glad, and then be humbled also. I mean, the tone of this passage is humble. Humble Mary, 
and the humble exclamations of Elizabeth. And so humility, what does it do? It doesn't, it doesn't like or stifle wonderment. It gives wonderment wings. You are no longer wondering at yourself you know, what you've done or how you think of things, your opinions. You're not wondering, wondering at your own reflection in the mirror, man, look at me, you know, how great I am, you know. You're not doing that. But you're wondering at the proper object, God. There's a story told about a missionary in China, a very well-known missionary, Hudson Taylor, did incredible things for the sake of the kingdom of God in China, many coming to faith in Christ. Well, a number of women, knowing this, they knew of his accomplishments. They wondered, you know, how, how did he stay humble? How did he become prideful after all these things the Lord had done? So on behalf of these women, one day, Hudson Taylor's wife, you know, she goes to him and asks him you know, if he was ever tempted to be proud, you know, after doing all these great things for God. Well, at this, Taylor, you know, he's surprised. You know, he didn't quite know, you know, what she meant, you know. And so he asked, you know, what, what do you mean, like, proud about what? Well, she said, about all the things that you've done. And so he, he responds and he says, you know, I never knew I had done anything. And, and that's getting at the kind of humility, the kind of picture even that we have here of Mary. You know, look to Christ. You know, don't look at me. And I heard you, look to Christ. Don't look at me. <laughs> I think we would all do well to be a bit more like that, like Hudson Taylor, like Mary, trusting, self-forgetful, less mindful of ourselves and our preferences and opinions, and more mindful of Christ, more mindful of God's word, more mindful of the Great Commission and the immense amount of work that is still yet to be done. So be humbled. And then lastly, be, be believing. Be believing. You know, it's ironic, but it's only in believing that we really find relief. Mary, she was free to fulfill her calling by believing. And so, friends, we must recover faith. We need a bold kind of faith, a faith that takes God at his word, the bold faith that isn't just kind of a faith that's kind of, you know, out there and abstract, but a, a faith that really loves vigorously, even when it's hard. You love, even when it means to suffer. You believe. Faith to wonder, faith to be in awe, faith to worship, 
faith to obey. Faith in God's word. Faith to rest. And some of you need to have faith to do just that, right? You've been working and working and working. You need to have enough faith to stop and rest. And faith on the opposite spectrum of that to work hard for the glory of God. Faith that believes God's word. Faith that trusts that Christ came for you. And he did come for you. He came for all of us. He came knowing you. You're thinking, man, I'm a mess. Well, he already knew that. He already knows that. He knows those thoughts that you never want to share with anybody. He already knows them. They're not shocking to him. He knows that you are a mess. He knows the depths of your sins. And yet he came to save. And so wonder on. Wonder at what God has done. Wonder, respond, and worship. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you again, Lord. We're not praying to these walls. We're praying to you, the living God, the one to whom we will give account, the one who in mercy sent your son into the world to save us. And we pray right now, Father, for every person in this room and beyond that you would Lord, help rekindle wonder in our hearts, rekindle adoration in our hearts, rekindle joy, rekindle humility, rekindle faith, rekindle worship. Revive us, Lord, and forgive us of our stubbornness and pride and lack of faith and unbelief. Lord, help us. Be with anyone who may be here who doesn't know you this morning. As they've heard all these things and heard of this Savior, Jesus Christ, coming into the world for them. May their response be one of faith in him. Faith in Christ and believing in Christ that they may be saved this very day. All their sins and that debts that they have accumulated will be forgiven and wiped away. May they repent and believe this good news. And so, Lord, as we, we respond here, help us respond. And, and as we sing joy to the world, may we respond even as we have seen in wonder and adoration and joy in all humility and faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.